Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Good Grow Great Podcast. I'm Talia Toha, and this is Six Degrees of Greatness. This is the segment where we bring one, two, three different business owners, entrepreneurs, and career professionals from different backgrounds, a huge array of different countries, from people who are just starting out all the way to people who are a little bit more advanced, already 10, 20, 30 years into it. And we pull together key lessons, specific topics so that you can then pull it all and to put it back together, adopt and adapt to your liking in your own specific way, uh, which is important so that you get to do whatever it is that you love doing. Now, today we are going to be chatting about how to fuse purpose with profit and exactly how different people are doing it in their own way. Now, I think if you ever say that I want to enjoy what I do, I want to do what I love, right? And do the things that I care about. But I also want to make sure that we grow this thing, right? Because um, if this is a business or a career that you want to advance, that's also an element that we can't forget. So what are some power people doing this? Like what are some ways that they're doing it? And uh, how can we balance this all the way to finding mastery that uh, that is just unparalleled? And so we're going to hear today from Alyssa Wexler. Alyssa went from working with a group of Italians backstage of the New York Fashion Week and uh, being a Wall Street professional and marathon runner to teaching economics. And uh, today, Alyssa shared with us how the arts behind why certain work lasts for generations and why certain other types of work simply don't. We're going to talk about craftsmanship in particular, not just specifically for the creative world, but also how do you craft something, a product offering, an e-course, right? A podcast, a blog, whatever it is, so that you have just this outstanding way to stand out. And also she's going to be sharing expecting the unexpected and ways that she developed a relationship fast uh, with her partner and how you can do this as well personally, but also professionally. And she's going to be touching on working with distractions, right? If you have kids at home, if you have other people around you constantly, you're always on the move and how to shut out all of that noise and what she does um, that can work for you as well. We'll also be chatting and sitting down with Charlene Angel. And Charlene had gone through, she had walked through 300 canyons in Spain, France, and Western U.S. Charlene went from failing her college entrance exam to having a doctorate of nurse practitioner to now serving canyoneers across the U.S. Today, she shared with us how she built a community of over 1,000 people that creates a lasting impact. And also the mental mindset shifts and the growth shifts that you can also practice in top outdoor canyons so that it helps you with your work as well. And she's going to be touching on going from competence, skilled to self-reliant through canyoneering and what this means for our work and our lives. Last but certainly not the least, we're also going to be sitting down with Alicia McMurray, and she has ran a law practice now for 10 years, uh, or over 10 years, I should say, in a crowded market. And she constantly, though, still runs a list of top 50 places she plans on visiting today, which is such a neat um, and neat idea for all of us to do. Now, Alicia is going to be sharing with us how she grew her business rapidly with no social media the unplanned route she took when starting from scratch, which you can also do, 
and steps and processes that she took to encourage clients to take action. Now, I know that if you guys are listening, you guys are not in these guys' specific spaces or categories, but the goal of the podcast is, of course, so that we can pull key lessons and become this just masterful students uh, of life, which is amazing. Now, before we dive in, you guys, if you haven't already, be sure to hit follow, subscribe, add, or collect. Let's dive in. All right, you guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited. We have so many great stories from you guys, and I'm so excited to dive in. But first, I wanted to start actually with Charlene. All right, so talk about, because I love that you travel with all these amazing women to these amazing countries and canyons all over the world. And this is really cool. Like, what was the reasoning behind starting this business? Is it something that you've always loved doing? Or is it kind of something that you've uh, discovered over the course of the years? Um, my, I did, We just discovered it. My husband and I took a class at the University of Utah um, seven years ago. And he just, he really dove in and he's a Pro guide now. Um, and I loved it, but I wasn't really too interested in um, getting certified or anything. So he just has really surpassed me. And now he's teaching, the, uh, he's running the University of Utah Canyoneering program, which I get to help with sometimes, which is fun. But he's, so he canyoneers, you know, we use canyoneer every weekend together. And then, you know, I'm like, well, where, you know, I didn't want to go with the students all the time. And so I'm like, well, I have friends, you know, I have these girlfriends, I'm going to start going with them. And I realized that I still, I learn a lot more <clears throat> because the men that I'm around, they're, they're so advanced. Plus they just, uh, it's just a whole completely different dynamic when it's just women. It's yeah. a, different. Um, it's very collaborative. It, nobody feels like they have to prove anything. You know, um, I just learned the most when I went with my women. And so three years ago, November last month, 2017, I'm like, we should start a group for ourselves, you know? And, and so I started a Facebook group um, in 2017 and we have over a thousand women now. I know you mentioned that you went to Spain, right? You went to France. What was kind of your top, if you have to pick one, I know this is kind of like picking your favorite food or picking your favorite yeah, kids. It's you know, kind of impossible. Is there a favorite top destination for you? You know, I loved everything, Talia, in the um, Pyrenees and mm. and half of it, part of it is in France, part of it is in Spain. I loved everything there. I don't remember the names but one of my very, very favorites is Corredero Canyon um, in Mexico. Last um, February, we went to Chiapas. And that is actually a big canyon, but it's underground. It's a cave, but you can canyoneer through it and stalactites and waterfalls everywhere. It's just crazy amazing. Right. And I, I've heard that this, uh, you know, I've been to Europe a few times, but I've heard that this is even more 
Uh, there are certain parts that if you go on foot, it's even more amazing. So I, I think this is such a great concept. Now, speaking of Europe, Elisa, you mentioned that you, with your concept, you know, mixing fashion and business and business of fashion, and you said that you were in a New York Fashion Week just before COVID. But before we touch on that, I know that you had also shared that you also went to Florence or maybe took your business to Florence. Can you expand on, on that a little bit? What did you do in, in these trips? Or was that a personal trip or was that a business trip? Well, I'm, I'm here in Florence now. I live here. Oh, um, I've, been, yeah, I've been here for almost 11 years now. And um, uh, it started because of my husband. Um, I was, I was traveling and, um, and then I went to Australia for a year for work originally from New York. Um, and then I like to tell people he stalked me and I ended up, uh, I ended up in, in Italy and I've got two kids and, and we're here. So the business is in New York. Um, but now I'm expanding to bring it to Florence. I love this. So you've been in Florence for a long time yeah. and you, but you've always had your business in New York. So yeah. now though, with COVID and we're from home and everything, now you're expanding. This is so interesting. What was kind of the early days like though, if, cause I'd imagine before the whole world understands that, yeah, you can totally zoom, you can do this just kind of over the computer that that must've been a challenge. Was that a challenge for you or was that a challenge? Yeah. I mean, I still remember my Nokia, my Nokia phone, you know, where like yeah. it was, it was a totally different world. Um, and then it changed really fast in the first five years that I was here. I mean, I couldn't find peanut butter. I couldn't find any of the things that I, you know, that I really liked. Um, now you can find pretty much everything, which I like and don't like. It's strange how you kind of adapt that, but the early days were, were definitely rough. I didn't know the language and, um, it was it was a tough adjusting period. Yeah, and having traveled to different places in the world, I do understand your what you just said is that it is kind of nice not to have the regular things that you used to have back home. You mentioned peanut butter, whatever it is, but at the same time, it's also nice when it does come, but it's also not it's it is very an, an interesting dynamic. I am curious though, um, and because we do have a global listenership and people do have different businesses and want to have a wider reach, when you started your business in Florence, was were people mostly accepting or was it kind of like the or did you have a community there already or was there a little bit of resistance? Hey, look, this is an American or what have you. What was the setting there? I'll let you know in June. This is a decision <laughs> I made. This is a decision I made during COVID because when I got back from Fashion Week, every the week later, Milan was hit really hard. So everything shut down. I closed my business, um, obviously, because I can't get to New York. And then oddly, instead of just stopping, I just decided, well, why don't I do what I do in New York here? You know, and I started over the past year now making a lot of context here because I'm stuck here instead of, you know, always networking in in um, in New York. I started networking here and I found amazing women, um, craftsmen, also because Italy lost all of its tourism. So people are in a very bad position here. And um, it was nice to connect to these women to see, you know, wow, what they're doing with their craft and then taking all of their stuff and putting it online globally. So that I know I I haven't run a trip yet, but that was all about my rebranding. And I'm hoping when Italy finally opens up its doors, 
um, that, you know, you'll invite me back. I'll let you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is interesting because I'm always, I've always been fascinated by different people throughout the, the world look at craftsmanship a different way. You mentioned craftsmanship, right? Like kind of that artisan uh, understanding and the discipline pursued for the craft, right? Versus, mm-hmm. of course, the profit, all that is great. But I think what I always found about Italian quality designers, you know, it's just really, it's just made a certain way. It's almost like, I don't know how they do it. Is there is there a particular uh, difference that you've noticed having been on both sides of the pond? There's something about made in Italy, the innovation, and I would say the history behind it is huge. They bring something to the table, even the younger generations that I feel is lost somewhere in other places. So it could just be the habitat where they are, the Mm. atmosphere, but that I think accounts and, and the skilled artisans that are still here working, you know, um, that are 80 years old and they don't give up. So those are the teachers. And I think that that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Right. It's almost like you have to have uh, both spectrum of the uh, the industry, right? You have to have the experienced people who might not be that technology driven, but you also have to have the present uh, group, right? And also the generation that's coming up and having that, uh, I guess, uh, quarterized uh, sort of dynamic that, that yeah. really brings that holistic experience. It's really just amazing. Now, I know that even in the outdoor space, uh, Charlene, this is true as well. I, I interviewed a handful of folks outside who, are, who have their business outdoors, right? Who run an outdoor business. Do you find that um, having traveled, that there's also different communities just throughout the world and how they run things differently? Do you find that as well or not so much? Yeah, definitely. Um, in Europe, they're just, they're leaps beyond us. You know, they've been mountaineering there and um, now that's, you know, turned into canyoning. Um so, so many generations. And so they have a really cohesive professional group that meets regularly to discuss, you know, and learn from each other that we don't have yet. So, you know, hopefully um, we will, we will eventually. Um, but I, I think that they're a lot more um, used to working as a group. And so we kind of have these maverick, you know, Right. And man shows in uh, and now and hopefully women shows that's, you know, we sponsored our first professional guide, um, you know, sort of to get certified this um, year, rose it up through our our organization, through our education and training process. So, um, you know, that was one of my biggest um, focuses was that there weren't really any professional guides in the American Canyoneering Association that were women. Yeah. Um, so now it, there's, there, it, now there's it a is really interesting. Yeah. You, you brought up a good point because uh, again, there is that difference between working on your, or just whatever your craft, your career, your business on your own and with the group of people and you get different results. Not, I don't think any of them are necessarily good or bad. I think they're both, they both have their own pros and cons, mm-hmm. but speaking of, just years and years. I mean, Elisa, you mentioned the years of history and art and everything. Now, Alicia, Alicia McMurray here, you mentioned that you met your husband in a castle. Now, was that in Europe as well? Or was that somewhere in the US? Because I'd be really interested if there's a castle that's uh, in the US that I haven't been to. 
It was in the U.S. Yeah, okay, it was. Wow. Um, okay. It was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Surprise. Um, yeah, no, I have a very good friend from law school um, who his family, his grandmother built um, a, a castle. So he is uh, in-house counsel for a global nonprofit. Um, and he and his wife uh, kind of travel a lot with their job. Um, and they rent the castle is just, I mean, they usually rent it out for events is what they typically do. But um, he and he and his sister, he owns it with his sister. Um, and he came into town one year uh, for New Year's and he invited, um, he and his sister decided to throw a big party because he was here instead of renting it out. Um, and so he threw a big party in the castle and he invited me and our other mutual friend from law school, Nick, Nick and I both run our own, um, our own law practices. I'm a business attorney. He's a criminal defense attorney. And, um, so a lot of legal community and, and business owners there. And, um, but Nick had already made plans with these other people, uh, that he had gotten to know. And so he said, Hey, can I get a plus four? Because castle party sounds awesome. (laughs) So, um, and what's really funny is apparently the other people were like, yeah, castle party. And my husband was like, "Eh, I don't know about that. Um, let's just make an appearance and bounce. Um, and so, (laughs) so anyway, uh, they went to the castle. I was late. Uh, getting there and apparently they drank this like super old Pappy Van Winkle before I got there that was always gone and it's been this whole thing in our group of friends ever since that you know that I didn't I didn't get any and um but not that they were even expecting me right so yeah I went and um I was supposed to go with a friend and she was running late and uh I'm a very social outgoing person person, but I'm kind of an introvert actually. And so in a more like in a business setting, in a networking setting, I'm going to talk to everyone about my business um, because networking, referral marketing, that's what I do. But in a social setting, I'm like, I feel really awkward now. There are like a hundred people here. I don't know half of them and um, kind of wander into the the castle pub. And um, I see my friend, Nick, who I know, I'm like, finally, I know someone. And I do, I mean, I distinctly remember my future husband, now husband, current husband. um, But at the time, future husband, I remember it was him and this very attractive woman and then this other man. And I couldn't tell which one she was with. And I was like, really, um, you know, really, and it's funny, I'm really good friends with all of them now. But, uh, and and I remember she introduced, you know, and she was with the other guy. And I was like, yes, (laughs) cute one single. But yeah, and it was really, and anyway, that's how we met. Um, and we hit it off immediately. I mean, immediately hit it off. And there were actually people at the castle party who were like, those two are going to get married one day. I'm not kidding. Like people were calling it the night we met. It was crazy. Um, and then we were pretty much just like together ever since. Like we were just like never not serious. Like it was just, I don't know. It, it was that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. that's so much fun. That sounds this sounds like such a good time and such a great <laughs> way to start something, like start a journey, right? But I am interested because you are uh, an attorney, and you had talked about going into kind of. Uh, high pressured situations, right? You go into this, this moment of three to one and then court, 
right? And yet you mentioned that you're actually an introvert, which I think is really interesting because a lot of our listeners, myself included, we're a lot of people are introverts, right? But then they're also these amazing business owners as well, which I, I find very fascinating and just so amazing. So Talk about uh, maybe one instance where you were just a, a nervous wreck before you start uh, your presentation, or I don't know what you call it in, in, in legal terms, but you kind of walk into court, right? And maybe you're slightly nervous about a certain case or what have you, but then things turn out um, in surprising ways. Was there ever a moment like that? I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm actually not, I should maybe clarify. So I'm a business transactional attorney. Um, so I'm not in court much. Um, I'm in court once in a blue moon. Uh, so sometimes I'm in court. So I, I think this is so underappreciated though, right? Kind of that moment when you're like, you're just about to, even with trend, business transactional uh, legal kind of matters, there are those fork in the roads that we talk about in business terms. And I want to touch on this in the context of, Elisa, you mentioned that before COVID, that uh, New York Fashion Week, right? Everyone is was backstage and you were backstage as well. And I actually, before we touch on how COVID's changed the, your world, maybe touch on for people who've never been backstage in these kinds of production, maybe talk and describe a little bit about how that usually looks like. The chaos, I've been backstage a number of times and there's quite a bit of chaos. And it's so interesting. It doesn't matter whether it's a small name, a big name, because here in, at the podcast, we're we're passionate about both small and, and big concepts, right? And it almost doesn't matter. Everyone's always chaos. It, there's always so much chaos. Is that, do you feel that that was true last, uh, in the last fashion week as well, Lisa? I feel like it's chaotic, but it's also so orderly. Yeah. I mean, everybody really, you know, they know what they're doing. They're there for, to work together. They're there to network. Um, and it's, it's the final show for the designer, you know, so they're very serious about, um, and it's amazing watching them in action. I mean, it's, if, if you like people watching, it's the event. So, um, you know, watching the designer go through the models and look at their designs to see what they're going to look like, and then watch them after the two minutes that they get on the runway, their face, you know, as they watch the audience look at their creations is an experience, you know, it's, at that point, it becomes, it's not about Gucci or, you know, Ferragamo. It's more about just watching the designer and the creation that they've, that they've created from, from here and from here. So I, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a chaotic but orderly experience, I'd say. Yeah. And what I love actually is that you just touched on two very important elements, right? Of all of our passions is that the, both the mind and the brain, of course, and also the, the heart part of it, where you just want to do it. Right. And oftentimes, particularly in high craftsman types of businesses and concepts, I find that it's so difficult, I think, for, for the creator to have that good balance of, okay, this is, this is my creation. We don't know if it's going to work. This might work. This might not work. And just having that constant feedback of yes or no checks and, you know, like checks and crosses. And do you find that, especially in the context of the fashion week, do you find that after the designers put out their, their products out there on the runway, they come back and they're like, well, they didn't seem to respond to it quite as well or whatever, right? Is that something that 
the conversation that occurs backstage as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, and, and then again, it depends on the, the personality of the designer. You know, some designers have, um, are, you know, what Alicia touched on, you know, some can be a, a little bit more shy or timid about, about their creations. And then at that point, they're really hard on themselves and they don't feel like maybe they got the response that they wanted. Um, and then they shut down for a little bit and go, but then I think their outlet is again, creation. Um, I know at the February fashion week, one, you know, designer friend really went from like the 1920s and designed his entire line from the, you know, it was fantastic. Um, And, you know, he did that, he thought about it and now it's finished, you know, and now he's moved on to something else. So he realized that it just wasn't, it was, it was what it was. He got what he wanted out of it and now he's moving on to something else. So. Right. So there are different approaches, right? And it just kind of depends on Absolutely. on the, the creator uh, himself or herself. Do you find that, because I, I find that when I read about research or interview top performing, you know, people are really good at what they do. They do certain things slightly differently. Do you, did you ever notice that of whoever, right? Of whoever, and you don't have to, and you can definitely drop names, but do you ever notice that when you're watching some of them? I'm not going to drop names, but I am going to tell you that the people who I've seen are the most successful are the people that don't realize they're successful. Mm. The ones that um, come into the show kind of treating everybody equally, um, speaking to everybody, letting everybody have a fair turn without the nose up um, are usually the ones that um, in some ways, in my opinion, sell more somehow, you know, Um, Their designs are more appreciated. They're a bit more down to earth. Um, They practice what they preach. So, and I, and I think that there's something, there's something to be said for that. And especially for the younger generation to catch on to that, that there has to be like a level of respect there for somebody who has um, a, a craft and has been in the, it has been in the career for a while and, and put in, paid their dues and moved up the line you know? Um, but even if you've moved up the line, still, you know, teaching someone younger than you, offering a hand, helping to network, you know, these are things that we should be showing the younger generation, not just that we made it to the top and that's it. Right. And it's almost like that, that spirit of uh, just kind of uh, consistent and lifelong learning, right. That you find in some of these amazing names, um, small or big that you're kind of like, Oh, wow. They still learn. They're still like finding these things interesting. They never get maybe not, not comfortable. Comfortable is not really the word, but they don't really get complacent about their craft. They know that it keeps evolving, which I think is really fascinating. Now, Charlene, I am curious as well though, because in, in the outdoor space, right? I've I've learned as well, and I don't know if you've seen these in some of the women that you work with that you kind of corral together and hang out with. Do you find that this is true as well, where um, it's almost like there's this mindset shift that's happening when you when you go into a canyon? Because sometimes in the outdoors, you don't really know necessarily what's going on. Sure, you take precautions and measures and all that. Do you find that this is the case as well with certain people who who you see get the most out of your program, your your tours, your trips? Um, women that really want to learn how to be competent and skilled on their own instead of just being a passenger in a canyon. Yeah. And it's really rewarding to take women out and um, 
we do these in Canyon training chick fest, you know, and um, it's really rewarding to see people that first day they're nervous. The next day they're like, you know, confident and they've upped their game, you know, so it's, it's immediately rewarding for us as leaders, you know, to watch them grow just in one weekend. Yeah. And this is, I think what I love the most also about, uh, you know, you mentioned just that one day difference, right? And I think a lot of people underestimate this, even in grow in the when the perspective of how do I grow, I think people always underestimate that just kind of granular shift. And um, speaking of outdoors, I'm always fascinated by Alex, I think his name is Alex Honnold, who traversed across, I think he's the first soloist, if I remember, I don't know what the terminology is. Freehand solo, is that right? Alisa, you have the name? Yeah. And, um, and it's so amazing. He climbed the whole El Capitan, of course, in Yosemite National Park freehand. But before all that, he spent day in and day out just taking all of these minute details about the rock, the formation, the little shifts. I, th- I find that fascinating. I know some people are like, that's wild. And mm-hmm. some people think that he's crazy. But if you think about it, it's actually not. It's one of the most systematic process that anyone can do to their, uh, to their whatever is in front of them, right? The obstacle. Now, speaking of systematic, Alicia, I know that with in the legal realm, this is true as well, right? Because when you go through cases or you have, you're talking with your clients, you do have to go through quite a bit of a process. And I think what listeners and audience can take away from uh, for from for this uh, from this kind of topic is basically well how do I do things in a way where every single day I'm improving by one percent or something right so how do you kind of uh, walk us through some of the maybe just uh, briefly what your process is with let's say a new client like how do you get for instance like a new client to be like oh yeah of course Alicia that makes sense let's do that yeah. Um, so that's, that's a great question. And, um, you know, the answer really depends on the kind of client and what their needs are. But I think that um, my best, I guess, most refined example um, for that would be someone who's coming to me, um, brand new business owner, without any kind of, you know, structure or whatever. And maybe they've heard like the buzzword LLC. Um, so what I do, the way I like to approach it, is um, I like to explain what all of their options are. And then now you make the decision for you that's best for you. Um, So, you know, I'll go through when you talk about, you asked about processes, you know, I'll go through, okay, well, you know, if you were to choose, say, an LLC, here's the process for that. If you were to choose an S-Corp, here's the process for that. Um, If you wanted to be just a, you know, and then I'll pro-con it as well. Like, why would you want a business entity? What is that? you know, what is an entity like an LLC or an an S-corp versus just being solo or being a partnership if I'm talking to more than one person, right? Um, What are the pros and cons of each? And then, okay, if you do want a business entity, what are the differences and what are the pros and cons of, of each? And now, you can kind of make your decision and then I'll kind of walk them through. Um, and then I, and I always begin at the end, by the way, um, I always begin with what is your, if this business takes off and you get everything you ever wanted, what does that look like? Cause for some people that looks like in a couple years, I sell for a million dollars for some people that looks like I become this big, 
the CEO of a publicly traded corporation because this is going to be a big company. For some people, that looks like I give this to my children and we're family owned, right? And you have to approach it differently depending on the individual person. Um, And the process is going to be different depending on the individual person. Right. Okay. This is, this is fascinating to me because it is really interesting how very few people start their whatever side hustle business, whatever it is with an actual end goal in mind. And a lot of times they say, yeah, I have a goal, but they don't actually have that kind of as defined of a vision as you were saying, well, yes, maybe you reach this, but what would you do with it? What is it? What is it for you? Right. What does that mean? And you kind of break it down to almost by scenario, this is the scenario. If you go down this road, that's the scenario. And I think this is really kind of refreshing because um, even all with the legal stuff all aside, you're really kind of understanding that, yes, there are multiple ways to get to different places. And it's really about which one is yours, right? Which one fits your shoes. And I think this is so great. And I know that particularly in the creative world, Alyssa, this is true as well, right? Like I know that a lot of creative designers, graphic designers even, um, they have something in mind, but the ones who are really good, it's almost like they have this collective vision of what their signature would look like, what the show would look like, right? Is, is, do you find that that's true as well? Absolutely. They have the, the, the creativeness. There's no, there's no ending in sight for that. Um, the business tools needed to make that come to fruition is something completely different. Mm. Okay. Um, what does that mean to, to you? What it means is, is that, you know, sometimes you can have, you can be really creative, but that's your thing. You can create, you can design, but you have no idea how to get it out to the world. It should be out in the world. Um, because you've created it and there's space for everybody, you know, no matter, no matter what it is, there's space. So it's a matter of, I think, utilizing your skills to try to help um, creatives or whatever sector you're in to get their reality, their dream out there and utilizing your specialty to do that. And then that's how we all collaborate. Um, It helps. You know, that the, the outdoor activity, the being outside, the challenging yourself, it really puts it into a different, puts everything into a different space. It also helps you create things that you never thought, you know, that, you, that you'd think about. Yeah. And you, you touch on something I love is that you basically say, okay, well, all of these creatives, a lot of times the challenge is almost that the business aspect of things, which I've also encountered. We have a lot of amazing students at Great Grow Great, and they all, some of them are creatives. And it is true. They're so good at their skills, right? At their craft. And yet when it comes to a few things, okay, these need those connective tissues. And what I love, Alyssa, is that you touched on this, uh, basically uh, the understanding of, yes, you have this, this beautiful uh, creation, but at the same time, no one else had done it in a way that maybe you combine it with a collaborator, maybe you combine it and place it in this context or what have you. So the small step towards getting those massive changes in business is almost like, okay, how do I adapt this and adopt it into something that has a slightly different angle or edge, right? Which is, I think, an, an, I think it's, it takes a bit of practice, but the ones who discover it really becomes kind of these like genius and masters and um, almost like you would see in co- different collections as well. 
And I'm not, obviously, my specialty is not fashion, but you do tend to see some similarities throughout seasons, right? In in certain seasons, you're like, oh, wow, all of the designers happen to have this theme, but they all kind of do it slightly differently. Is is that what you're discovering as well, Alyssa? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Usually the lineup in some, somehow, in some way, the the lineup, the people that end up on the lineup kind of... um, all have something oddly in, in, in common collectively. Um, it's, it's strange. Um, and then at the show, you can see them in some ways working together as a whole. It's not, it's not necessarily competitive because right. It's personal branding, right? right. Because you're, you're adding your, your personal brand, your personal touch um, to what you've created, thus making it completely and utterly yours. Um, and people buy that. Um, or they don't. Yeah. And I like, I I do like that you touch upon, it's not really that competitiveness. And I talked about this with another gal just uh, yesterday, actually, how that kind of the, the spirit of people are always constantly looking around and just kind of scrolling and be like, Oh, why don't I have that? Right. And we actually talk about how that's actually not necessarily the, 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 the failure is probably not in that we're thinking kind of, Oh, why don't I have that? It's more that we don't do anything about it creatively to kind of channel that energy in a way that produces something meaningful and beautiful and, and great for other people. Right. And so I think that's really interesting that you mentioned that in the, in the fashion world. And I know that Charlene in the outdoor space, I've heard just amazing tales of just communities collaborating and collecting in around rock climbing, right? They're very niche and about uh, river rafting, right? Which is so cool as well. And, um, and I found that within that space, people are fairly collaborative. Like what are some ways maybe perhaps people who are listening who are in the outdoor space, Charlene, could uh, maybe collaborate more and find ways to up level their their business and craft while bringing other uh, other people along on the ride. You know, as women, I wanted to create a space for us because it's a male dominated sport. Mm. Um, I and I actually did kind of um, get this idea from a really cool business called Chicks with Sticks, which was they taught skiing just to women and now they have chicks out with on rocks and for rock climbing. I love that name. So yeah. I, um, I think if, if you can create a community um, that is supportive and collaborative, um, you know, it's just, it makes a huge difference, right. Um, for everyone. Um, everyone feels part of something. I think that's hard in our in our world nowadays. We're very fragmented. Yeah. And um, that's one thing that I absolutely, my favorite thing about canyoneering is actually the social aspect um, because, and the problem solving, you know. Right. So each canyon has a new set, a different set of um, terrain and um, those have a different set of challenges, you know, there's different types of rock, there's smooth rock, there's sticky rock. Um, so different types of anchors, natural anchors or bolted anchors, you know, so, but, um, being able to go with all these different women, um, and I love that I can go with, like, if I didn't have this community, I wouldn't have these 20 something year old women that are my friends now. 
that I just love them. Like they're so energetic and they're so excited. And, and for me to be, and I learned the most by teaching like we all do. Right. So to be able to teach them, you know, so they need me and, but I need them. Right. So right. Um, I, I think if you can create that community, I know that like my husband was a master diver and he, that dive um, club or, or business, they would, um, they would create trips and they would go together on these trips. So we, we do, you know, we all, you know, we have our little groups and, but people will post on the community. Hey, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be in Moab. I'm going to be, what do you, what do you guys suggest? What canyons, what are your top five favorites? You know? So um, but, you know, I just loved that, you know, in the women, you know, community, like, what's the best underwear? Like, how do you manage certain <laughs> um, monthly things on a five day or a 30 day track? You know, like, great point. I That's just love that there's somewhere where women can ask those questions and be safe doing it. And you know, get the answers they need to be able to do that, you know? And that's well, so and awesome. it's, and, and to your point, right? Like, especially when you're doing things like this, and I think this is true in all domains as well, right? In all kind of creative business law, everything it, is that our survival does depend on like, nobody gets there wherever there is on their own. I think particularly in the outdoors, it's even more compelling. It's even more obvious. I can, I can remember multiple times when I've gone outdoors, forgot one thing because there's all, all these things that you have to pack, right? I forgot one thing. And then I'm like, oh man, how do I get like, there are no stores around for miles, right? And it turns out to be five degrees colder. So your survival actually does depend on that other person who maybe sees you and be like, oh, I do have an extra this or whatever. Oh, by the way, just earlier this morning, there's uh, there's, I don't know, black ice or something in that trail or what have you, right? And uh, because day to day, everything is so organic, everything is moving, right, changing. Uh, this is why we need to kind of look to others, I think, in, in basically pointing us in as much as well prepared as we are. It is still, I think, crucial to have others, uh, you know, help kind of uh, gather kind of more information that helps you get there. Now, Alicia, I am interested, though, because you mentioned that when you just start your business, kind of having this network of other people or having other people around you, or maybe you reach out to other people was the crucial uh, ingredient almost, I think you mentioned in growing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, <laughs> it, it's kind of a cool story. So um, I started, so I graduated from law school in statistically in Knoxville, the worst year to graduate. Um, I think nationally 2012, 2013 are pretty tied, but in Knoxville, we got like a whole nother law school that we didn't really have the population to support two law schools and everybody's sworn in together. It was crazy. Um, and so, you know, jobs were like practically non-existent. Um, and I ended up in a situation that was pretty common, uh, which was, you know, okay, this law firm's going to let me kind of set up shop here, but they're not really going to pay me anything. And I'm just going to kind of find my own clients and pay kind of a portion of overhead based on that. Uh, so I was, I went um, to judge a mock trial competition that the weekend after I was sworn in, I was sworn in on a Thursday and one on a Saturday. And I'm having a conversation with my uncle who owns a pest control company. 
in middle Tennessee because I was staying with my uncle because of course I had no money. Right. So I had to stay with the family. Um, and I was woe is me about how terrible, you know, my situation was. And my uncle just looks at me and he says, well, you know, Alicia, it sounds to me like you are a business owner now. And I don't know anything about practicing law, but I do know how to grow a business from scratch and you're going to grow your law practice the same way I grow my pest control company. (laughs) And then he proceeds to give me the best advice I've ever gotten in my entire life. And I was smart enough to take it. So the first thing that he said was um, join a BNI chapter, which I did. Um, And that has made a massive impact on my business. Um, he told me about other networking opportunities, how to, how to go to networking events, referral marketing, um, and how to really kind of build a kind of grassroots before you have money to spend on like something like advertising, which I don't even like lawyer advertising, by the way, I think it's kind of tacky anyway. Um, but you know, before you have the kind of money to spend on that kind of campaign, how you can just market yourself through kind of a grassroots. So yeah, that's what I did. Um, and being, as I said before, an introvert, it was, uh, not easy walking in the room, but I'm, I, I am at least a talkative introvert. <laughs> so, um, so it seemed to work pretty well for me, even if it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's how it worked. And then, you know, you have someone who believes in you, who sends you to someone and they are more likely to be like, okay, yep, I will hire her and then you do good work and then they send you to someone who sends you to someone and before you know it you've got this great law practice mm-hmm. and um which you know I'm I'm proud to say I have and it just kind of starts with that kind of grassroots marketing with with people yeah well I love what I love is that you touched on a couple of things that I think most people look at as obstacles and challenges right kind of this grassroots movement that you have to to do to start your business but also your is it your uncle right your uncle's very sage advice for his pest you know pest control company which most people say well how do you even market that how do you even share that with the world but i love that these two things that are typically obstacles and challenges become opportunity and it's almost like kind of you know turning these trials into triumph with which i absolutely love now speaking of pest control company i have to tell you one of the best uh service that i've ever received was from a pest control company and this guy come he come, he came I, I he's no longer because we've moved but but he used to just check in every week and and just be like hey i'm coming over is there any spe- specific things that you want me to look at right and, and and then whenever he comes over he smiles he's really and it's it just i for for so many moments that he is interacting i always forget that we're talking about pest control Right. And it's just kind of having this understanding that it doesn't have what you have doesn't have to be beautiful, doesn't have to be perfect yet, but you can make it your own. And there is an opportunity there to serve and to, to really show up in a meaningful way, which I think is absolutely thrilling. Right. And I think this is the idea that most business owners uh, are missing is, is this idea that you can absolutely any challenge, any obstacle can be turned into this beautiful opportunity to serve. And what I love that though, is, is when we're speaking about obstacles and challenges, of course, we can't not speak about 
our kids, partners, families, working from home, all of these things. Now, Alyssa, you had mentioned that you're a mother of two and that originally you didn't think you didn't even think that you would have kids. Right. And you were kind of reimagining that you'd have this beautiful farm. You have this Dogs. dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, so, I don't have a dog now. <laughs> I don't have any dogs. <laughs> I just have kids. Sorry for you. I love my dog. (laughs) Well, it's kind of weird because Alicia here is expecting and you already have a dog, but then now you, Alyssa, you, you have the kids and you didn't have, it was not too late though. You can still have, (laughs) you know, know. my husband. I'll let him know you said that. Just tell him, blame it on me. Blame it on Talia. (laughs) I don't want to create friction, but uh, you know, you get uh, unconditional love from the pet and the kids. uh, We don't know. We're not so sure. Depends how it goes when they get older. Right. Yeah, we'll see. When they're thirty, maybe we'll we'll know. Um, But talk about because you you have this this business where now especially you have you're bridging multiple continents you have the two kids like what's it like now that the world has is of course work from home yeah <laughs> if you can't see it she's pointing a finger on, on her head which is you know a cue for this is insane <laughs> so so what what's it been like for you and what are some maybe small things even that you're doing that help you stay sane as a business owner Right. Um, So, you know, Italy went into lockdown March 9th and um, both of the kids were home and I have a full time job. Um, I I teach economics and international business and business leadership. So full time. Um, And then that went online as a normal schedule as I would be teaching at the school. So it wasn't that any of the times were reduced, but then I had the two babies at home and they didn't understand what was going on and they're small. So they needed to be followed. Like that you can't just plop them in front of somewhere. Like they request things. Yeah. Um, and then my, my business died, you know, in New York, but um, instead of letting it die, I decided to put it online. Right. So to create some of my experiences online. So how was my experience? Um horrible and also a blessing it's it's I, I i just i don't even know how to describe it it's so weird it's just it's one of those things and i can honestly personally say there's not a day that goes by that i'm like oh my god i have to breathe but yeah. then i look at them and i'm like oh my god i'm so lucky that i can have this time with them because i would have never had this and i'm watching and also with the english and i get to talk to them all the time and you know, I see their language skills developing and this is such a cool age, horrible age, but cool age, (laughs) you know, watching them grow. And it's, it's just, it's so hard Yeah, being a mom and wanting to be somebody and have a business and to provide for my family, but also really just wanting to have something for myself too. Um, and kind of going in between that mm-hmm. always every yeah. night. So what do I do? You know, um, I've had a couple glasses of wine. I'm not an alcoholic, but for sure, Italy um, <laughs> is a great place for that. Um, I, I totally rely on my husband a lot. I have to say, um, I just do. Yeah. He, we have a great relationship and he's my person. 
So I, I talk a lot to him and I just, I, you know, and he lets me and I appreciate that. Um, I try to meditate. It's not easy for me. Um, I would say that my outlet is running. Mm. I run. I run a lot. I'm like Forrest Gump. I go. <laughs> and, and honestly, that helps me. It helps me immensely. There, there really isn't a day that's gone by since March that I don't take even a 20-minute walk outside by myself, put on my raincoat if I have to, but just get some air, 20 minutes, go out, take it in, and come back. And then the other part, too, is I let it, I let it go. I have to let things go. I have to be nice to myself, and I have to remind myself that I'm a mom. And, um, I signed up for that. So yeah. it didn't just happen. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like that's first for me. So yeah. the other stuff comes after. And that means that sometimes if people can't be flexible, then they're not my people. Um, I, you know, I need to, I need to do what's best for my family right now in, in these circumstances and let some things go. And then if they come back, awesome. If they don't, we move on. That's my, that's, that's been my gig. Well, and I love that you touch on this almost paradoxical dichotomy. I always talk about this on the podcast and a number of people also share this, uh, this commonality as well, where you have, especially when, when you're working with kids, it's almost like, yes, they're the best thing ever, but also they can be like the worst thing that you can possibly have. And you just have no idea how that even happened, but it does, it happens. It's like it on a daily basis. And I actually equate that in some ways to, you know, running your own business or getting ahead in your career. There are certain days when you're just like this, this just sucks. This is terrible guys. And then there's some days when you're like, this is the best thing ever. I can't believe I get to do this. Right. And I think for those who get, who have a long life and what they do, it's exactly because they find those little things that you had mentioned, Alyssa, when you're out walking 20 minutes a day or whatever, running, right? And for some other people, it's different things. Meditations, I've never been, I'm kind of like you, I've never been able to, maybe not yet anyway, never been able to do that. And it might've been just from a personality standpoint. But um, I know tons of people, that's their thing that keeps them sane, right? And, um, and it's just, I think that's the, having the understanding that we have to do that for ourselves is the best thing that we can possibly do, right? How about you, Charlene? What is kind of your go-to uh, every day, I must uh, do this? Aside from eating and taking a shower and, of course, you know, the, the regular <laughs> things. <laughs> you know, I, in my um, real jo- job, <laughs> um, I guess they're both real, but... Um, I'm a nurse practitioner in mental health. Um, and so I tell my patients a lot. There's an app I found um, that is a gratitude journal. And I just love it, especially right now. It's just like what you were talking about, Alyssa, is that there's still there's so much good still. And there's so much great. Like my organization, my nonprofit has, has doubled because of COVID. Because we put our naughty nights once a month, we get together and practice skills. Um, we put them on Zoom. Yeah. And now we reach so many more people that organically, like you were talking about, Alicia, you know, people talk to other people and we just, we're growing more. Um, but, but 
For me, um, just to stay positive, um, that gratitude app, it's called Presently, but there's, cool. there's a, quite a few of them, but I just love that it texts me every day. Cause like, even if I don't take the time to write it down, tech in my phone, it reminds me to think about it, you know, cause it's really easy right now to get caught up in all the negative, of, yeah. like you were saying. And so to just practice, you know, you have to practice that being, you know, looking for the positive because there still is a lot of positive. Um, and so that's what, that's what works for me. Um, and it works for my, my patients. I, I know I, I'll call them back and they're like, that app really worked, Shirley. <laughs> it's just, but there's really good research on that. You know, that if you, if you practice, you know, if you have a gratitude journal, it works. It's simple. It works. Like, so if I, even if I, I love, love meditation too, but um, things get crazy. So if I can at least do that one small thing, think about what I'm great, what I am grateful for. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, this is so important that we kind of uh, do this. I think this is probably the, I always do this in the beginning of the day, that way I don't have excuses at the end of the day, because things keep coming up. And then before you know it, you're like, oh, I can't do that anymore, you know, and then you start, you felt terrible because you didn't do that one thing that you would have otherwise normally looked forward to. Right. And I think this is so crucial, I think, especially when you when we're talking about, you know, growing right and growing from good to great, which is why we're naming the podcast Good, to, Good, Grow, Great is basically we we're looking for these small steps that um, before we even get to that destination, we're already we have these small wins. Right. And um, I think, Alicia, this is going to be interesting for you because you're uh, you know, you're expecting. Do we know, is it a boy, girl not looking to find out or it's um I, I've been telling people you know I've got a dog I've got a cat we're just hoping for a human being this time <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're, people we're are gonna... happy with just either of those by the way yeah. right like I mean the... <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna be surprised we're gonna be surprised healthy right. baby right <laughs> yeah although I've heard though kids who grew up with pets they uh it's almost like they have a built-in babysitter I know that they're obviously canine and you know they're not human beings but still at the same time just having that company somebody breathing down the baby and and just kind of licking them when you know they they get fussy it it tends to I don't know I have heard that this is uh truly something that works now um, I, I wanted to actually touch a real briefly on uh, each of you guys' business. I know that, Alyssa, you're uh, fashion for futures. Uh, any exciting things that you're looking forward to bringing? I know that you're in transition mode currently. What can people look forward to uh, on, on your website as far as fashion for futures? So the website is being rebranded right now. You caught me smack dab in the middle. I'm, I'm, I'm moving, but uh, I'm also taking my time because I want it to be presented properly when it, when it comes out. Um, but the new best thing is that in June, and I'm hoping that Italy opens up its doors. If it doesn't, we do it at another time. But Pitti, Uomo is a, a famous um, um, fashion event in Florence. And in June, at the end of June, I'm going to open up those last two weeks of June for a trip to get everybody over here for entrepreneurial women who want to learn craft, who want to drink some wine and, you know, eat and cook, go to a cooking school yeah. and learn some Italian. Yes. Uh, that's part of my business Italian. That's my gig. So, nice. 
you know, that's, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed. I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to open it up. And you know what? Um, if it doesn't go, it's going to go at another point in time, but that I'm really excited about. And I would love to be on tour again. Um, oh my goodness. That sounds like such cool. a good time. Yeah. That sounds like such a good time. I mean, why? Yeah, especially where I live, which is like, I mean, I'm, you know, my, my heart is New York. I miss New York. I can't wait to go home. But I think this time when I go home, the first time needs to be with my family and my friends, right. not necessarily for my business. I think that's really important. But having, you know, my people, Americans come here where I live is like, yay, yeah. you know, or, you know, it's with the elbow. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's the it's the elbow dab I don't know if that I don't know if that'll ever caught on I think people might just wave I think you know yeah. like at that point like why do we even yeah why do we even bother right like just hey just wave uh, but I think you you brought up you know some amazing points and I've heard somewhere in the interweb that you know people are arguing and and having a conversation on whether New York will ever go back to its original heights and I've always kind of like, well, New York is its own species. There's no way that it's, you know, like, of course, but maybe in a different form. Like New York is New York and a New Yorker is a New Yorker. And anybody who says that doesn't get it. Yeah. It's, it's going to come back and it's going to come back stronger than it ever was before. It's just going to take some time. We have to be patient. I think the outdoor space, I mean, truth be told, I know that, again, this is kind of probably analogous to New York. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, what's going on in the outdoors? People can't go outside. I'm like, I feel like more people are are spending outdoors, of course, in greater distances, but especially in places like United States and even in certain parts of Europe, there are so many places that are untouched. And uh, I know that in my specific area, we can't find, nobody can buy bikes anymore because everyone's been buying bikes because they're outside. So I think there's there's an exciting rebirth that I'm looking forward to for sure. And you're going to be a part of it, which is exciting. And speaking of uh, rebirth and birth, Alicia, congratulations <laughs> on your baby. When is the baby due? Are we? Yeah, another- yeah April 19th. Um, this yeah. So I have, I have it in my head. Um, so many of my friends had to be induced at 41 weeks, their first baby that I've just have like April 26th in my head. So I'm not disappointed on April 20th <laughs> if I'm walking around still like as pregnant as can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah April 19th is the due date. Yeah. They really should call it due month. I think that's they like should. the... <laughs> do month. it can be like two weeks before two weeks after and that's the <laughs> yep. general area right yeah. um so you're with general knox law any anything that uh, you know the audience can look forward to where can they find you i we're kind of like i think the best way to describe it is like a co-op of attorneys we kind of run our own um individual practices and share overhead which by the way is the absolute best of all worlds set up that I could possibly have. And I am so grateful um, to be here. It's a fantastic. Um, but yeah, so um, for me, they can, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very lucky, uh, blessed, I should probably say in that, um, you know, when COVID hit, of course, I thought at first, since all my clients are business owners, that like my life, my career was over. But um, but luckily, mercifully, it was not. Um, and I'm very grateful that because most, and I and I do do some litigation in the courtroom, but most, the vast majority of what I do is like at my desk typing things. Um, I have clients that I have, if I saw them on the street, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't recognize them, they wouldn't recognize me because we've never met in person, and it's always been that way. I have clients who live in 
New York City, uh, several actually. <laughs> I have clients who live abroad. Um, you know, it's just, you know, as far away as Dubai even, you know, but, but they have to be doing business here in Tennessee because <laughs> right. um, right. I am just Tennessee licensed. But yeah, um, luckily, because I've always done so much just kind of in the office and virtual, it really wasn't a change like I thought it would be. Um, so things have just kind of been continuing. Uh, the only thing, you know, right now that I'm trying to really prepare for, obviously, is this this little one that's going to come busting out at some point here. Um, I was actually looking at at nanny applications before this started. Yeah. I mean, they're um, such a huge help. I definitely did not use that as much as I should have. You know, I think that I think people who feel guilty about leaving their babies, they really shouldn't, you know, and these are. Uh, they don't even remember most of it, you know, like when they're that little and just kind of being kind to yourself really makes, I think, um, a, a, a great and definitely quality working parent as well. So Alicia, congratulations. I'm so looking forward to that. Let us know how, of course, the whole uh, birth and, and um, you know, newborn phase come along. We're so pleased and thrilled. But thank you guys, everyone. I will be sharing everyone's uh, information in the show notes. So so go check them out. They have amazing stories and even more amazing things to give to you guys. And uh, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us. Thanks Thank for you. having us. Uh, awesome opportunity. Thank you. If you haven't already, be sure to hit follow, subscribe, add, or collect. Let's dive in. Oh, 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 oh,